we are growing apostolic legacy. And I thought, you know, in honor of our 46th wedding anniversary, I would talk about loving with sincerity. Everybody say sincerity. sincerity. Loving since with, you can either say sincerely or with being sincere or as I say here, loving with sincerity. Now the reason I mentioned loving with sincerity is because we're supposed to have a sincere heart according to the word of God. And interestingly enough, Paul, when he wrote to the church at Ephesus, he wrote and he spoke and he, his last words of the book, the sixth chapter of Ephesians and the 24th verse, the last verse in that book, here's what he said. He said, grace be with all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity, amen. Grace, now how many need a lot of grace? I do. Here's what he said. Grace be with them all that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. That's how he closed out that book. Now, that word sincerity, there, you know, it's a Greek word, aftharsia, aftharsia. It's only used eight times in the Bible, in the New Testament, of course, being Greek. And it's, Paul used it eight different times. It's interpreted or given a, an English word by, in, in about three different ways. One is using the word sincerity. Another is using the word incorruptibility which is four times, and another two times it's used as the word interpreted in the King James as immortality. That's because the Greek understanding of this word, Paul felt like it was only possible because of the resurrection. It's a, it's a genuineness. It's without corruption. It is without any sense of human element to it. So when you read the word, as it's interpreted in 1 Corinthians where he wrote it, he said, so also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption and it is raised in aphasia. It's raised in sincerity. It's raised in incorruption. Aphtharsia, aphtharsia rather. He said it is sown in corruption, it is raised in aphtharsia. That's what that word actually there says. In Titus, uh, a writing to young people, to young men, he uses the word to all of those that were young. He said, young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded. In all things, 
showing thyself a pattern of good works, in doctrine showing uncorruptness, gravity, and arthasia. That's that sense of sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. Now, I, I could spend this Sunday morning talking about how much God loves us because we all believe that, know that. We, we hear it. We quote John 3, 16, for God so loved that he gave to us. We know that God loves us. That goes all the way back to, as I put here, the high priest as he went in, as he wore the robes, as he walked upon his chest and upon his shoulders were the names of all the tribes and the special stones because the chest, the names being next to his heart, the shoulders, his arms, his strength. So God had the names of his people in his arms and at his heart because of the strength of Israel. That's how much God loves God becoming our new high priest, if you will, we, we have that. We understand because of Jesus and because of, of the Calvary, we recognize how much he loves, loves us. But yet, one of the things that you have to recognize is that we are supposed to love him in sincerity. It is not enough just to say, yes, God loves me. But Paul was identifying that we must love him. In fact, he opens his book of Ephesians up, and it's kind of important to realize how much Paul talks about love in the book of Ephesians in his letter. In the first chapter, he opens it up right at the beginning. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. In love. That's why he called us. That's why he chose us. That's why he gave himself for us. That we would respond to the love that he has for us with sincere love back for him. God loves us. We know that Jesus died to bring us to incorruption. What does that mean? We should endeavor to let him reign in our lives. His love transforms us. We who are not lovable, we who are not able or capable to love each other with sincerity. The only, you, you say, well, oh, I really love him. And yet we all know that people can do unlovable things from a human standpoint, you can say, oh, not me, I've never. The truth is, people can be unlovable and we can't love with sincerity 
I, I would say to my wife, I love you. We just said that 46 years ago. I haven't had to say it since. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. But there is a different kind of love that I should have for God that is regenerated, incorruptible, resurrected, that is different even than the most intimate, close relationship that I have here on earth. There is a greater love for God. And we would like to believe, and I, I believe that, you know, my wife sincerely loves me, and I would use that word that, okay, she, she loves me, but yet the, that word that Paul used, aphtharsia, is a whole different level of love that, you know, but it, his love transforms us as we should cooperate with him and letting him sub help us subdue our flesh and then letting his love shine through us. That's what it's all about, about when you say, I love you, Lord. I am trying to love him with the kind of pure resurrected love that he has shown me and then that love begins to change me and transform me. That's why truthfully people that are trying to live for God should have the best marriages, should have the best home life, should have the best love because hopefully it bleeds over into other relationships. Now you say, when somebody then decides, I'm not going to choose to love God with sincerity, that too bleeds over. And, you know, I know from my generation there was songs writers said, all we need is just a little bit of love. But you will never find aphtharsia here. That hunger that you have, I want somebody to genuinely love me. They may be willing to marry you, they may be willing to set up housekeeping with you. They may be willing to spend a lot of time with you, but it will never be aphtharsia. That only comes through loving God and receiving the love from God. Does that mean I don't love my wife? No, I do. And hopefully my love for her is perfected as I stay close to the Lord. Do you understand what I'm saying? Paul goes on to the book of Ephesians, the third chapter, 16th verse, that he would grant you according to his riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. That 
Christ would dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in not the love of a husband or wife, not the love of your children, not the love of your grandchildren. Or, and those are all wonderful things that I know I have unfortunately dealt with individuals that would come to me and say, I just want to have a baby because I want to have something that'll love me. And I look at that sweet little baby and at three o'clock this morning, she didn't love me. And I told her, if you love me, you be quiet, I'm resting. <laughs> Doesn't work. It's not aphtharsia, huh? He says that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, length, height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. You see, in order to really grow in Christ, you have to be rooted and grounded in the love of God. You have to know unequivocally that God loves me and that I sincerely love him. More than just simply, well, if he's... If, you know, if I enjoy the service, I'll be there. If I enjoy the preacher, I'll be there. If I enjoy the choir, I'll be there. If I want to give, but I, I can kind of do my own thing and I'll do my... That's not sincerely loving God. You see, he goes... Paul also wrote to the Corinthians, he says, for we are labors together with God. You are God's husbandry. You are God's building. Now let me just ask you, if you don't start at the foundation, how good is the building? So go on in Ephesians, the fourth chapter. He keeps writing. He says, I, therefore, the prisoner... Oh, back up, sorry. Go back to that slide. There it is. Ephesians, the fourth chapter. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness and long-suffering. Why would he say bearing with each other in love. You see, it's supposed to bleed out when you love God with sincerity, then it makes you be able to bear with people that are trying to live for God. Well, they're not trying very hard, Pastor. For why would he say this? Because he wanted them to have sincere love for God. He goes on, for we be henceforth no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men, cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive, but speaking the truth, how? 
Well, I just tell them how it is and I let them know. He said, speak the truth in love. You may grow up into him. In all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Our love from God is exemplified by our love for his body, for the church, for the people around us. You say, well, I can't take that, I can't take that. Now, now I want to just tell you, I'm going to fast forward. I, I think I've got a slide to talk about it later. But this church at Ephesus, you remember what John said in Revelation about them? You guys work. You labor, you work, but I have somewhat against you. What did he say? It's not out of a sincere heart. Wow! What are you saying? But here the Lord was giving them a warning before even, you know, John who wrote Revelation wrote it like this. Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God and he that loveth not knoweth not God for God is love. In this was manifest the love of God toward us because God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love. Not that we love God first but that he loved us first and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to also love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwells in us and his love is perfected in us. Hereby we know that we dwell in him and he in us because he hath given us of his Spirit, that resurrection, incorruptible power that can transform the way you love. We have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love and dwells in love. He that dwelleth in love dwells in God and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect that we might have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but Perfect love casts out fear because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God, hates his brother, he's a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loveth God loves his brother. What are you saying? 
What the world needs is love. But it doesn't need just, you know, oh, I love you. And I know some people get offended when you, oh, I love you, I love you. And yet we know that we can do enough. And that's an ache that every person wants to feel like somebody loves them. Somebody loves them. Somebody loved them enough to care for them. Somebody loves them enough to call, to pray, to well, whatever you want to put in there. Everybody wants to feel loved. And I'm here to tell you that the greatest source of feeling that is God Almighty. When you lose that connection, you get a hunger starting to develop in you, and you think something else will fill it, whether it's a good time, a drug, and a drink, a party, a, some other relationship, something's got to fill because you don't understand. I have a, and then I make some goofy statement like, well, God just wants me to be happy. Yeah, you know what? Yes, he does. He wants you to fall in love with him until his love begins to flow through you. He doesn't want you happy looking for love in all the wrong places. <laughs> he wants you happy by getting a, th a tharsia, a sincere love that can only become through the resurrecting power of the Holy Ghost. You see, I, I, he goes on in Ephesians and Paul tells them in, in Ephesians, he, he basically says, fifth chapter, be therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in as Christ hath loved us. Amen. Hath given himself as an offering and a sacrifice. Well, I should not have to make sacrifices. I should not have to. You haven't fallen deeply enough in love with Jesus. Well, but don't you know, I just, I just want what happy. I just want to be what I want to be. And I, I feel like this is part of who I am. And I'm, I, I've heard it all. And I'm thinking, I wonder if Jesus made that statement. Huh? I'm just a little Jewish boy here and I just want to be a walk around and have some disciples and I don't want Pharisees and Sadducees plotting to kill me and I don't like it when people talk about crucifying me and I don't think that's just not fun. Well, bless your heart. Fill back up with the love of God. Because then you'll realize that, it, you know what? For me, my sacrifice compared to his. Huh? Oh, but pastor, you don't understand. I just went. And he goes on and he even says, husbands love your wives. And you know how he says to love them? Take what you've learned from loving Christ into your house. Well, I, I can't love like that. I, I, I just tell you. <laughs> 
You want to know why my wife's so spiritual? She's had to live with me for 46 years. <laughs> Some of y'all think she's just an icon of spirituality. It's because of who she was married to. <laughs> she has to say, full of the love of God. He says that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word that he might present it to himself a glory. This is what Paul is writing, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing that it should be holy and without blemish. You see, the gospel it is the death burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're going to be with penance is what that, that's the first step, the death and then the burial. We're going to be burying uh, Brother Jerry Frick in the water and it's the infilling the resurrection, the newness of life. The Lord wants to raise you into immortality and incorruption. He wants to raise you into walking in life. This is why you've got to stay full of the Holy Ghost. You say, well, I don't know if I need the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you, I just talk to my wife. You need a lot of it. To keep the love flowing. You say, oh, well. Paul wrote to Timothy. You know what he told Timothy in his last letter? Be not thou Therefore, ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but be thou partakers of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God who hath saved us and called us out with a holy calling, not according to our own works, but according to his own purpose and his grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Now, what are you saying? What he was telling Timothy is no matter what you're going through, if you will go back to God, you will begin to realize, okay, Lord, you have a purpose in this. Lord, I don't know what you're doing. I don't understand it, but somehow there is a purpose. And it, it, it transforms your thinking. It changes the way because you're full of the love of God. If you sit down and you get mad at what you're going through and mad at, he calls them the afflictions of the gospel. The afflictions of the gospel. The person, how do you have afflictions of the gospel? It's because no matter what you are going through, you Filter it through the love of God, the sincerity, love of God. I know one thing, I know I'm going through it, but this one thing I know is that I truly love him. I love him, I love him, and I know he loves me. He said, but are now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who had abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. That's why when Jesus talked to Nicodemus, he said, Verily I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. Here's the slide I was telling you about. When you read in Revelation what John later wrote when he said, I, I know your works. I know all the stuff you do. I know all of that. 
but you've left your love. What, is, what was he saying? Then he says, to him that overcometh, overcometh, will I give to eat of the tree of life. He told them, you got to repent. You see, the simple fact is, Brother Jerry, I, I want you to understand this. Sim, simple this. The Lord loved you enough to die for you. He loves you enough. We're going to bury you in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to understand that he wants to be the source of everything you need in your life. That's how much he loves you. He loves you that much. You say, well, that means I won't have to work anymore. Oh, he loves you enough that he knows it works good for you. He gave Adam a job before he gave him a wife. He loves you enough that he's going to require some things of you. But let me tell you, it's out of his love for you. Yes. Don't ever question that. With sincerity, you have to understand that's how much he loved me. That's why when you, when you read what Paul wrote in Corinthians, he says it like this. I would to God you would bear with me in my folly. For I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. What was it that Eve got off track with? Surely he's keeping something good from me. Surely he's, there's more out there for me. Surely there's something else I could have that would fulfill I, if I could just have that tree. And he said, if you could only realize and love God, with the sincerity that he loves you. Wow. You know, when you begin to look and say, well, I need this and I need that and I have to have this. And what you're saying is that somehow God doesn't care enough about you. Lord, why am I going through this illness? Why am I? Must be some purpose. Must be something good. Must be something, huh? I don't know how he's going to use it to touch my family. You heard Sister Lele say, I don't know. I've been praying for my family. What, why not get upset and frustrated? And God, this isn't right and it's not fair. And I, I have a sincere love for God and everything that happens in my life. I filter through that 
understanding that God loves me. I know he is for my good. I know he loves me. And that, that's why, you know, when you don't have that, you get a little bit angry and you, you mouth off and you get, you get angry and frustrated and malice and blasphemy and filthy communication out of your mouth. And that's what Paul was telling him in Colossians. You lie, you cheat, you steal. You will, you know, you lie because I'm not going to tell you what I was doing or where I was or what I'm using. To, oh no, I'm telling you, if you were full of the love of God, you wouldn't do that. He goes on, lie, don't, don't lie to one another seeing you put off the old man and you put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge of him that created him where there is neither Jew nor Greek Circumcision or uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond or free, but Christ is all in all. When I realize Christ is in me, Christ is in her, Christ is in some of these people. Oh, some of them don't have a whole lot of Christ, I agree. But who am I to judge? I'm supposed to be like Christ and love sincerely. And when I see a fellow member of the body, when I see someone I should genuinely love, well, I don't like way they, I, 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 line up behind me. I tell you, I keep my wife praying all the time. But there's got to be sincere love. The only way you get sincere, genuine love is by staying full of the Holy Ghost. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You, you may tell me that there's another path to getting people to genuinely love you. If you make a lot of money, if you cook great food, if you, you know, there's always somebody that made more money. There's always somebody that had more power. There's always TJs you can go to to eat or something else. You can find food somewhere. But oh, when you come into his presence, that's why Paul wrapped up his letter to the Ephesians. And he said, I want you to maintain a sincere love for God. Real, genuine. I know. I can raise my hand, be fake. I. I can get my wife a nice little card and I can underline the right words. I can't write them, but I can underline them. I can say, I love you. Love you bunches. But hopefully, I can show her a little of the love that I have learned by loving him and filling him 
his love into my heart. That's what makes the difference. It's not about, oh, to be candid with you, I didn't greet her with 46 roses last night. I did get her a new duffel bag for when she travels because she had stolen mine and I wanted mine back. But hopefully with him, if I can't love him, how will I, and if I don't love one another, supposed to be flowing like this. That's the only way it works. And so today, Brother Jerry, you're going down in the name of someone that died for you and loved you enough that he said, I will die. If none of us would have been willing to follow him, he loved you that much. That's the sincerity of the love. We're going to stand.